That was such a good story. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were recording already. Yeah. Sorry. Don't don't repeat it. Oh, it won't be as spontaneous. No. Uh, this is just so good. Hey, what do you think about this? Oh, I just I just kind of interesting to look back at you know being there. <laughs> Could you speak English then? Yeah. Everyone learns English. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I didn't have an Australian accent back then. But now. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> okay. Well, let's get serious so I don't hold you back from dinner. No, let's not get too serious. <laughs> um, what, are you, what are you thinking about? What are you busy with? Mm. What are you, what's bugging you? What idea wakes you up? Oh, what wakes me up? That's, that's something. I've kind of forgotten now. But something did wake me up this morning. I can't remember now. That's terrible. Yeah. I, I'm... Well, what am I thinking about? I'm working on certain things. I'm thinking about them too. But yeah, so I did show you this card which says S-W-A-R-M, meaning swarm, with Matt pressed on it in very pink colour. <laughs> He's having a bit of a sunburn. And anyway, this is a project Lee and I are doing at the moment together with a lot of other artists in Campbelltown and we're just preparing for it at the moment. Um, so yeah, what is it? It's, um, it's supposed to be the live art program for Campbelltown Art Centre for this year. And it's going to be on Queen Street, which is kind of the main shopping street in Campbelltown. But it's, um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's not as dead as you you know, I think it would be. It's pretty dead at night. It's like pretty desolate. But during the day, it's really quite busy uh-huh. because lots of services on the on the street still. Not so many of the shops that used to be there. There's still shops, but it's kind of really changed. Kind of why you're there for? People yeah. just go to the big shopping centre in yeah. Macarthur, Macarthur well, to. Um, it's heated. Yeah, and everything. And there's so yeah. much more there, yeah. and yeah. Yeah, but it kind of, you know, it kind of kills the um, main drag atmosphere. Yeah, right. Mm. And so you're going to inhabit the main drag. Yeah, we've got a shop on, on Queen Street mm. where we'll be for four weeks. And then on the last Saturday, we, we kind of host a, a night for, um, for about two to three hours. With, there's five artists mm-hmm. doing work, mm-hmm. presenting their work, and they've all been, like we had a residency last year there for three weeks, where we had a shop as well, and so everyone's kind of been working closely with the community, and I mean, that residency was very much just for people to kind of generate their ideas of what they would like to do there, wow. through just being there and just going out and researching and kind of dreaming up ideas for the street and you came up with ideas as well or you're overall curating yeah no we're curating so we're not really doing 
and artwork, which right. is a first for us. Yeah, right. How do you approach uh, that? Oh, it was actually quite challenging at first. I kind of really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, because did you keep thinking in terms of mm. artworks? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you keep coming up with ideas. Oh, we could do this or we could do that. Yeah. Oh, and, and you go, oh, yeah, no, we're not really... But for a, actually for a while there was a plan that we would do something as well. But then, you know, when it kind of came closer to where we are now, we kind of went, you know, we're going to be a bit too busy actually to do something as well. Yeah. And, yeah, so... Yeah, I think because we did this big event earlier in the year in Liverpool, mm. the food fight with mm. the MCA, and it, that was um, that was also, I mean, that was our idea and our kind of, you know, project. But there was such a big organisation as well that, that it kind of prepared me a bit for doing this now somehow, like because you had to deal with council as well, and and there was lots of community participants in that one and in this one as well like every project will have participation of of local Campbelltownians so there's yeah there's lots of management of kind of dealing with volunteers and participants and are you good at that um I don't know no I don't think I'm that good at it but I'm good at organizing stuff oh yeah yeah why it's just the way my brain works. Okay. Things mm. just lock into logic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How did you know when you were having an idea for an art versus an idea for curation when you were trying to think about how to make this swarm? Mm. Well, I guess, so first of all, Campbelltown approached us to ask if we would be interested in doing this. And we said, Yeah. And then, you know, initially it's quite, um, you know, it's more of an art because you have to come up with a, a concept for mm. this for this event. And, you know, they wanted it to be around Queen Street. Um, so, yeah, then, you know, in, in the beginning it's very much just Lee and I going to Queen Street and walking around and thinking about what, you know, what kind of event would be great and so you know Crank came up with this idea of interventions mm -hmm. like kind of prankish interventions in the Excellent. street and that suits your temperament yeah but then you know you kind of go looking for artists that you know work conceptually kind of in that field um but then they still come up with their own ideas, of course, and then it's which then, and then there's also, of course, working with the council who just kind of like, no, you can't do that when you when you come up with good jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <sighs> Dennis did, wanted to do this great thing last year just as a test, and we got these, you know, those big um, kind of electronic notice boards that are like with a generator underneath you know yeah. and he wanted to just have the words on there MacArthur Square closed as in it, and he said it's just an architectural reference it's a closed space <laughs> Queen Street open you know and he wanted to put that on the road to MacArthur Square and the council was like no he can't <laughs> but the thing was like we just wanted to rent one of those signs and put it up and then 
Campbelltown was like, oh, but the council have those signs. We can just get it from them. Then we don't have to pay for them. We're like, okay. Uh, but then the person who programs it is also at council. So you have to send your text to council. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they were like, no, no, we can't put that on there. People will get confused and think Mercado Square is closed. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. And then and then Dennis kind of completely changed tact with it and wanted to... Um, he was also doing something with all these perfumes that he'd got in the $2 shops and mm-hmm. the, because they had these amazing names. And he'd kind of made these photographs with these perfume bottle, bottles with these names and, and he'd kind of made this sentence that said, just believe the vision. And um, so he kind of said, oh, let's just put that on the sign. And then, you know, like he thought, you know, it could be work together somehow. You know. and, and then the guy at the council had taken it upon himself to write Queen Street, just believe the vision. <laughs> Sometimes accidents are the most genius. <laughs> Which was so funny that we kind of went, okay, this is tricky. <laughs> And did you walk away with any um, any wisdom about how to how to push the public in a way that the council sees is not some kind of um, social unrest, unruliness? Mm. Well, let's see. So far, it seems to be all good. Like you know, whatever what people have been proposing, and the council's on board. Um, you know, helping us make it happen mm. so and they're you know they're not being too obstructionist <laughs> how, which is great how did you find food fight yeah it was it was um the biggest thing we've ever done in the shortest time frame with the most participants you know like it was like it was absolutely ridiculous to you know and we kind of all knew and that was actually, that counted for everyone who was working on it. Mm. And, yeah, I think everybody was kind of like, okay, we're just going to do this because we think it's a good idea and let's just make it happen. And everybody did, you know, like it was an amazing team. It was really great. But I was like, <laughs> I was dead afterwards. So full on. What, yeah. was, what was your hope for Food Fight? Like, what were you? What was your mission? Um, well, kind of, you know, this was again like, like it's like you get a commission and it needs to kind of um, revolve around a theme or like a, you know, and and this was the that it had to kind of bring attention to the issue of food insecurity or food security. In Liverpool, in Australia, in Australia, actually, and kind of like, kind of say how many people are actually, you know, not don't have enough money or the capacity to get enough food on the table every day for to feed their family. Um, so it's a very serious issue, and the numbers are absolutely staggering. Um, so it's it's tricky to do something that, you know. 
you know, you've got to be very respectful mm-hmm. when, you, when you're dealing with these issues mm-hmm. and with people who, you know, who are just struggling to get by. So it was kind of the idea, like, Lee was like, we just need to come up with this idea that it's like a slap in the face. Like, we need to kind of, you know... Is that Lee's approach for a lot of things? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, We, I mean, it was great. We kind of, we approached um, Diego Bonetto to work with us on this. Mm-hmm. And he, um, like, he was on board straight from the beginning and... Which was great because he's got, um, you know, he's got a lot of knowledge about food and you know and he he works a lot in with people like with chefs and Mm -hmm. like people just in in that area so yeah it was good it was great see the the kind of you know the initial part where you come up with the ideas was you know that was great it was really good and then we went into um into MCA, we had to go and uh, pitch our ID at the MCA because there was they they'd asked a few people to come up with an ID. Mm-hmm. Is that? And I imagine that stage is not paid. That's on your own time. Yeah, we got a little bit of money. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, yeah, and then when they said they'd like to do our thing, then all at once it's like, whoa, okay. And it was, it was really like, it was December, end of December, yeah. when they said, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And it had to be done before the end of April. Like, it had to be done before the 1st of May, because this funding that was secured to do this uh-huh. had to be, like, that was the cut-off date. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, all right, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it did what we set out to do. Yeah. And the night itself is really great. It was like, it was very exciting. Can we get a little synopsis? little synopsis. So we, okay, <laughs> the master plan was to have, so we had food warriors and we had food heroes and we had food security guards. And these were all people from the community. Right. And then we had food fighters and then there was diners as well at the big banquet. So the, the evening kind of starts with kind of like a night market um, with food trucks and some um, stalls for, you know, like organisations who work in the field, like advocacy groups. And then like in the middle of that, there's a big kind of cooking show happening with the food heroes. So these are people from the community, um, from all the different ethnicities around Liverpool who come and share one of their favourite recipes and these are the recipes that also are cooked for the banquet Uh Um, so first of all there's like um, a little cooking show and we've got this big live feed broadcasting on massive screens (laughs) and uh, Mish Krieger was our MC interviewing um, all the locals Um, and then 
kind of at the end of that, they're getting intercepted by the food heroes. And these are people who work in the food security industry and they've got a cause that they're fighting for. So, they, no, the warriors, everybody can always got food heroes and warriors mixed up. So the food warriors get carried about, around on these sedan chairs, you know, those carriages, mm-hmm. by their teams, the food fighters. And they all like have a cause that they're yelling out, and they've got big costumes, very colourful, and they kind of parade through the audience mm-hmm. around the station where they where all the cooking's happening, and then they go to this other section where the rest of the evening happens. Uh, so they get kind of spread out on this big grassy field, and they have speeches about their cause, what they're fighting for, and so the audience kind of gets to roam around and listen to each food warrior's cause. And then um, the people, there's, um, there was 100 people at the banquet, so which, you know, 50 of them were all clients from the, um, the Inspire Community Kitchen, mm-hmm. which is like a kitchen, they serve free meals every day to people in Liverpool. So the people who go there, got invited to come to the banquet. Wow. So, and then... Instead of or as on top of? On, so they were there, and then yeah. there was also kind of, you know, your your high flyers wow. sitting at the banquet with the people there. The mayor was there of Liverpool. Wow. And then, you know, a few... Um, Costa was there. Yeah. You know, some people kind of... People don't have enough sitting next to the people that always have plenty. Yeah, yeah. And... And kind of wanting to get, you know, a conversation happening there. Did it? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, people who were there said it was um, fantastic. And, you know, they had the best conversations and it was really meaningful. Yeah. So that's good. And so, the, so like, the, the CEO of the Inspire Community Kitchen was there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so kind of seeing, you know, if he could talk to someone because they always need money, like they're running on a shoestring and they're doing really amazing stuff. So trying to get that kind of happening that, you know, people might actually go, hey, I'll help you. Mm. I don't know if that actually happened, but it'd be good to find out. And then while the banquet was happening, we had a big, massive, transparent, inflatable bubble mm-hmm. that gets inflated looked fantastic and um then there that's what the food fight happened inside so we got all this um food donated from food bank australia stuff that they couldn't use anymore like so they get stuff donated that people don't want to sell anymore or can't sell anymore and then they get so much they distributed it Mm-hmm. But then there's stuff that is really too far gone. Yeah. So it was very much like um, mouldy beans and strawberries and bread that was in the food fight. Wow. <laughs> it was pretty full on. And so each food warrior had a team of, of um, eight fighters. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of, and every, like, before they went into the bubble, they got a chance to kind of talk about their cause again and yeah. there's like close-up video on the big screen. Yeah, and like, yeah. So it was really like the fight was really about the, the food security causes they were fighting for. Wow. Um, yeah, so they got a, a good opportunity to talk about 
their the what they're doing, the issues, yeah, that they're dealing with. And how do you pick a winner? Oh, there was no winner. Because <laughs> everyone's covered in food. It was just, it wasn't about being a winner. It was just about you know, get getting attention to to these causes and kind of creating a spectacle. And yeah. Did that happen just once? Yeah. Yeah, you can't really. I mean, you yeah. could do it again somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If you had another four months, then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you know those four months was really it's it's really about because there was so many there was like almost two two hundred participants. Wow. You know, yeah. I mean, you've got a, a table with a hundred people already, so so that and that's kind of it's hard to convince these people you got to really kind of go and sell your id and convince people that this is a really good idea to be part of so you have to convince the people at the you have to first convince yourself and each other mm. then you have to convince the people at the pitch yeah and then you have to yeah. convince council and then you have to convince the participants the council is at the pitch too so okay. council and mca kind of produce this together so okay. they they decided together and was there ever a point when you were convincing others that you became a little not so convinced? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was just me. <laughs> well, it was good. It was like there was, you know, it, it happened to all three of us, like Lee, Diego and I, because it was so intense and everybody, like it's, it's also a very politicised topic. So everybody's got their opinions, very mm. strong opinions. Mm. And... Ideology. So you, yeah, and so it's kind of, you kind of start seeing so many kind of different views that you kind of, yeah, it's tricky. And also because people, some people felt like we were making fun of the issue, whereas we're going, no, we're kind of through doing something outrageous, we'll actually pull attention to it. And, you know, the MCA um, marketing and media department was really amazing as well. And so they really came on board and, like, really pushed it. So there was a lot of press and, and a lot of the organisations who were involved, you know, they made sure that they got press. Mm. I mean, that was the big point that it would actually, you know, like we kind of went, we're not going to solve this problem. We're not going to make sure people, like, through what we do, it doesn't mean people are going to get more food on the table. But we can, the only thing we can do is make a big boo-ha and make, pull attention to this and kind of try and yeah. get it into people's minds and, and make people know about it and, and try and make it an issue, you know? Yeah. But that's a pretty big thing mm -hmm. the only thing yeah is a pretty massive it seems like that's the power of any yeah. cultural agent mm. i think people who were there said that they really liked how um how it did pull attention mm -hmm. and that that kind of to have these kind of local people's recipes and their knowledge you know, because a lot of it's about knowledge as well. A lot of it is about people who actually don't know how to cook anymore. Um, well, I would, yeah, um, I would say that a lot of people 
never learnt, but it was okay because they were never expected to learn. And there's always somebody who was expected. Mm. And those systems are much more malleable than they ever were. And yeah. We're dealing as individuals instead of family units. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, but it's also that, you know, the, the convenience of fast food also means that I think a lot of, yeah, that, that kind of passing on through generations the knowledge of cooking. Yeah, there's a... It's kind of, you know, it's whittled down. It, it doesn't really happen that much anymore because it is it is just not that convenient. much part of, of daily life. Like, yeah. I don't know if there's that many families that actually cook every day. I don't know. No, I don't know either. I do remember um, speaking to a comedian and performer from Brisbane called Candy Bowers and her mentioning how much uh, cultural heritage is passed on in the kitchen Mm. more so than most other rooms of the house. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And through the, traditionally through the mother. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But that's, I mean, it's a pretty crazy thing power it's a pretty crazy power to be able to ask um heads of councils to sit next to people who don't have enough food Mm. and share the same meal Mm. with them Mm. and that all those people show up Mm. and that they do that Mm. i don't know if there's anyone but the artist who can operate in that manner and make it happen because it seems, in my most op- optimistic of worlds, it seems like there's no other motive there apart from um, for good or for community or something. Mm. Like there can't be any profit motive. Mm. There can't be any, like, saving face motive because the artists are not really important enough to try and save face in front of Yeah. I, well, because the council is producing... Yeah. the event it's uh, yeah i mean we were talking to the mayor from day one we we actually asked him to be a food warrior yeah right. you know so it's kind of that and he you know he wanted to but then when he he kind of heard he had to go and fight in the bubble <laughs> he kind of went, i don't think that's good for me to kind of get you know food all over me thrown all over me and then you know like i don't want there to be any photos of me covered in food oh that's a shame yeah but you know in the end we kind of because there was a fair amount of warriors we approached who were not that keen on going in the fight so we kind of um we said that they didn't have to um so the warriors could just Sprout their cause and have their team fight for them, mm. and get some young younguns to go in the ring in the bubble. But in the end, there was um, we had six food warriors. Pretty sure four of them went in. There was only two that didn't go in. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. I especially yeah. like that. Warriors sounds like warriors. <laughs> Especially. Um, I also like that idea sounds like ID. Mm-hmm. 
like a shortening for identification. Oh, yeah. About the ideas. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to my ear, there's a difference, but there, it's it's a nice ID idea. It's a nice idea to consider that the ideas that you have form part of your identity. Which is a segue for me to ask you to zoom out a bit across many projects that you've mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. and ask about um, how it is that you see what you're doing. Is it part of a long trajectory? Are these things all linked together? Are they just responses to opportunities? No, I think it is all linked together. I think we've... Um we always, like, our work's always a comment somehow on what's going on. And we always try to be meaningful with it. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, a lot of the time it's, it's kind of about dis- disenfranchised people somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's what I like, that there's, you know, it's, it's, it's not really about making a pretty picture, our work. Mm. We also try to make a pretty picture, but it's not the, it's not the starting point. Yeah. So yeah, we've got like, you know, like... In sweat and artwork, it was it was about it's about the people who do the dirty work. It's about the people at the back in the kitchen that you're not supposed to see. And with the street styles work, it's about kind of recognizing that that these guys, you know, what they do is an art, and that it's not <clears throat> just some. You know, because they get depicted as vandals, really, and, and just, you know, it's a nuisance and the sound of skateboards is ugly and, you know, like, they're things that people have said to us that they always, you know, they don't, or they don't like this or that, you know, in regards to street styles. So, yeah, it's kind of... And, and then also how how then, because it's spectacular, it, it gets picked up by advertising and kind of used and not really recognised mm. um, for what it is. So, yeah. And what else? What else have we done? <laughs> you know, and kind of this year as well, we've been working with um, Milk Crate Theatre who work with homeless people as performers. Um, yeah. And trying to really kind of engage with people, kind of make work for people that are not used to going to the theatre. Like trying to really kind of approach people, introduce them to to the arts, I suppose, somehow. Mm. Like I guess it's one of the things I always found moving to Australia is so um, different here to Europe the access to to arts from a very young age and how ingrained it is in 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 life in Europe. It's just really normal for everyone to go to the theatre. Mm. And I found it here like it's such a niche kind of thing. So yeah, 
and I kind of realised that it's kind of got a lot to do with education somehow and, and access. So I like to do that with our work, to try and make our work more accessible for everyone. And that's why I really like these projects we do in skate parks and we make them outside in the skate park and, you know, the guys who are there every day, it's, it's really nice to see their, um, their change of reaction to us, you know, like, mm. because they'll be very kind of, like when we first arrive, they'll be like, who are these crazy people, you know? But then if you're there every day with them for a few weeks and you try to really kind of connect with them and, and get them involved and say, just come and join us, that's, um, that's pretty amazing what happens, which is, which is really great. And I kind of feel like, I feel like we just kind of really leave some sort of imprint on that place mm. and that community. And I think that's, I think that's kind of what is special especially, you know, those in that kind of age bracket of, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-olds in the skate park hanging out, hanging around and just getting getting that little kind of window into something else. Hmm, yeah. I wonder about um, disenfranchised. I wonder... what it feels like. Have you ever felt disenfranchised? Hmm. No, probably not. Maybe. Well, you don't have to have been. No. You just can feel that way even if you're not. No, I don't think so. Hmm. I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? As an artist, (laughs) (laughs) you feel disenfranchised quite a lot, actually. But you kind of just, you have to be really strong within yourself to just keep going. To franchise yourself? Yeah. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Because I guess, um, I wonder if it's just inherent in trying to do things that are that nobody's asking you for because mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much so much of what we're doing nobody's really asking us for it because we're the ones that show up and slap them in the face <laughs> <laughs> look at me yeah um or push ourselves into their world that's going along fine without us whether fine is good is another question mm. but i wonder about about the artist as a as a community of people that are often sitting on being franchised with bouts of disenfranchisement. Um, and if that's why it is a, an issue for them. Hmm. Yeah. Do, yeah, I don't know. one to think about isn't it um i think i think you can as an artist 
still like you can just be really conscious about this or you cannot and just kind of I don't know I think there's quite a few different ways of making work I think so many different artists approach their work in different ways mm. Mm. in a project that I've been working on with Joshua Thompson we are trying to deal with our cultural heritage and its tensions with our cultural identities as individuals and then we came from these places and people that now as we've grown into be the people that we are with the exposures that we've had starting having starting to have problems with some of the things that we were taught or mm-hmm. which I guess is good um on the whole but like how to how to deal with that without condemning or disowning your own past and the people that have raised you Mm. and for a while I was operating under this idea that these blokes who are old blokes now that they were somehow emotionally disenfranchised Mm -hmm. through whatever was the dominant cultural narrative of how to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just haven't yet worked out how to, w- whether that's true, mm. um, although it certainly seems true by <laughs> experience, and what my place is to approach that. Mm. Like, um, am I, because I have been enfranchised through education or exposure or something, yeah, but a lot of that has been your choice. Yeah. And I think that's... I think disenfranchise is when you don't actually have much of a choice. Mm. And I do think... I mean, I think what you're talking about is people who have quite conservative views and and kind of maybe views that are stuck in a certain way. Yeah, and or they've just become the the product of their environment. They've yeah. become exactly what every they thought they were being asked to become. Yeah, but it's also then their choice not to question that. And that's what I wonder about. Yeah. I wonder about how much, like at what level of education do you begin to have choice? Yeah. Yeah. I think in Australia, yeah. I don't know where you grew up. No. Darwin. <laughs> yeah. Darwin. Yeah. But, um, See, I have got... <sighs> it's interesting because I grew up in Europe and, you know... Which part? Of, um, in Belgium. Uh-huh. So I kind of, you know, I, I, draw, I draw comparisons, you yeah. know, with yeah. what I kind of experienced growing up and, and education and, and community and um, social framework... But then, yeah, when I um, hear Lee's stories, who grew up in a little mining town in up Gove. north in Gove, yeah. I go, wow, that's just really, yeah. Good word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Ex- well, I could just say backward, but yeah. I wasn't, you know, like, because yeah. it's, yeah. And, and you just go, whoa. 
that's so intense compared to you know my experience and you kind of think I it because you think it's similar yeah you assume that yeah I assume that Australia would be similar like in its in its level of kind of education or or social structure yeah. within or even just exposure to yeah other than the norm. exactly yeah. yes but it's actually not it's actually very different no well it's also it these places darwin and gove and yeah. Taranara and derby and headland they're mm. all thousands of kilometers yeah. from a city mm. even though they're only an hour plane flight a lot of them from southeast asia yeah i know it's a plane like it's not like you can jump in the car like no. gove you know you can't even get there by car no <laughs> exactly should I put this milk in the fridge? Do you want sure. Alright, you know. I am putting the heating on. Yeah, it'll warm up. Yes. It's only supposed to be warm when it's in the cow. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be warm after that. No. It's quite nice though, warm milk. Sleepy. Does it make you sleepy? Mm, supposed to. Someone put it to me once that milk is actually a growth formula for baby cows, mm. <laughs> particularly designed for that, mm. and then asked the question if I was a baby cow. Uh. Mm, guess I'm not. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. No, we can get on track and off track. Yeah. That's fine as well. What do you feel like you're doing now? If with all of those thoughts about where you've come from and where you find yourself and who you're speaking to and who you're speaking with and how you're affecting the world and how you're affecting yourself and it's like down at the corner store <laughs> encouraging you to save the world because <laughs> <laughs> you left your plastic bag there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess... Um it's 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 interesting like getting um becoming kind of more and more institutionalized yourself somehow oh. along the line you know like yeah. that that kind of just happens and then and then you go okay like I'm, i i guess what I'm, i've been thinking recently is like i want to keep this meaningful you know and that's, um, I think that's kind of important. And I'm also, yeah, thinking about how, you know, in the work we, because you try, you know, when, you, when you're making new work and we just kind of started working on a, on a brand new show last month and it's, it's always very exciting, the first creative development, and there's lots of ideas, and yeah, things best. float around, and it's, and it's great. And you start but falling then, in love with ideas, with collaborators. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but then you kind of also go, okay, when, because you know why or what you want to achieve with, with this idea, when you, before you start, and then you start, and then you go, oh... All these things happen, and then you go, oh, how do we keep this actually um, on track to be part, to, to kind of explore that 
meaningful ID, which is, you know, you've got to kind of trust that because that's every task you put out in the room is about um, getting there, mm. that <clears throat> the material will somehow translate to that. But also you, I think it's, it's about um, the structure and the, like, it's, it's, it's the makeup because what I think is, is very exciting, what's the most exciting about live performance is, is that there is a live audience. Um, so our work's very much about the audience experience and kind of trying to craft that mm-hmm. in a in you know in a conceptual way so that it's not just it's it's actually hardly ever just about walking in and sitting down and watching our shows mm. and um yeah I think that's interesting I think because then you just you can't you cannot relax as an audience member because I, I don't think that's the point of, mm. of live performance I wonder if that's a delineation point from entertainment and maybe performance or something I remember some part of a breakdance crew in Darwin um and a lot of the boys live in different places now, but I remember once saying that I'm not as interested in entertainment and noticing that one of the other boys in the crew seemed a bit judged at that statement because mm. I guess he is more interested in it. Like I was making a judgment call on art versus entertainment. And when I got asked why, I was like, well, entertainment's just really hard. <laughs> <laughs> because people want something and you either deliver it or you don't. Yeah. Whereas the thing about art is that you want something. Mm. As the artist, you want to affect something or facilitate an experience. And if that's different from the experience that people came for, that's okay. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it's still... I actually still think it's harder to achieve this um, new thing that you've come up with mm. than the kind of formula that exists. Right, yeah. I actually think that's a lot easier. I think entertainment's a lot easier because it's a formula. That's true. Yeah. I think that's also why I don't find it that interesting. Right. Because it's, you know, it's... It's predictable. So how do you... Uh, I just wonder, so sometimes I have this concern that I have, um, there are things that I care about or changes that I want to affect, and I'm somehow letting myself off easy by doing art. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that may be a weird concern. But is that ever come up to you that you're like actually I'm super educated and connected and I could actually do I don't know like Oz Harvest make something like that that is doing the thing Mm. or I could do the show that is about awareness of the thing or Mm. or um, you know any one of the other things like why why have a show in a theatre at all like artwork was or 
but does it ever occur to you that you could be doing much more affecting work as not an artist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. I what do, do you do I with do. that anxiety? Um, well, I experience it as anxiety. I don't know if you do. It, it's kind of more in the form of... Um, I, I get it more in the form of just escaping. So going, mm. why don't I just uh, move to the country and mm. just go and live a very kind of self-sufficient kind of life that, you know, doesn't need mm. uh, a lot of the... Bureaucracy and infrastructure. Yeah, that, world that's, commerce. that's actually, you know, affecting the planet in a bad way. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. But then it is that, that also then just really frightens me because I grew up in the city. I wouldn't know how to do the country girl. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, and it, but it's also it's that thing where I need to believe that what I'm doing is meaningful, and, mm. and I think that's why um, I strive for that in the work we make. Mm. Yeah. So how do you know? And, but I also feel like you know, like things like Oz Harvest and you kind of and it's great which it's it's great but I also kind of feel like well it's not me it's a very good point and you kind of I I do feel like I just need to do um, somehow what I need to do because god it's all like really (laughs) we're such little insignificant specs really in the universe mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be an unhappy speck <laughs> so good so yeah maybe just by being a bit selfish yeah or wise mm. because it, it would be very easy to believe the hype and abandon what is not urgent for something that seems more urgent Mm. but doesn't suit to you Mm. and imagine if all of our favourite singers had done that or Mm. musicians or filmmakers that would be sad that's right then you know no one would have any purpose to live for anything Um, can you talk about the new show yet that you only started a month ago? Yeah, yeah. So this one's about. Oof. It's fresh. It's fresh. It's we're it's we're working with um, quite young performers. Mm-hmm. So like three, four. yeah, three, four year olds. No, <laughs> young adults. Okay. Um, so eighteen to twenty-five year old. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah it's just about that time in their life going through lots of change 
making decisions, taking risks, kind of sorting out your identity, mm. your, who you are, your sexuality, you know. Yeah, and like it that. so often seems like a multiple choice. Mm. Like there's, <laughs> there's things out there that already exist and you get to choose one of them and you have to be all the things that subscribe to that one thing, mm. which is a shame mm. that that's the story. Yeah. Do you feel like that has stopped for you? Like it happened at that age and it's not happening anymore? No. <laughs> well, you know, recent events <laughs> have, you know, like, it's, you know, there's been a big change in my life and that kind of makes you question mm -hmm. all, you know, like, question all those things again. So, yeah, which is interesting. Do you feel like you're better at it this time than you were when you were 18? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Just, you do know a lot more. Yeah. It's interesting because you think you know a lot when you're 18. Oh, yeah. It's so funny looking back at yourself at that age and going, oh, my God. Like, I was just, you know, you're just so sure of yourself. I mean, probably not everyone. I was. And well, that's what this photo looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I think this should be your biopic from now on in programs. <laughs> yeah. Forever. There's, yeah, forever. Forever 20. Yeah, there's many a choreographer that does it. Actually, what do you call yourself? We didn't even do an introduction. Mm. Would you like to do an introduction? Off. Well, this is a bit hard, that one, isn't it? For a long time... Maybe not what you are, but what you do, or what you feel. See, because it's always been Lee and I making work together, right. we were always co-creators okay. of the work. Yes. Now that we've become an incorporated entity... We've become art co-artistic directors. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, that changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, growing on me. Okay. You know, it's... God. I, call, I just call myself an artist, actually. Mm. When people ask. Do people often ask? Mm, yeah. Just got to... Yeah. Yeah, people just really kind of want to put a uh, like a, a title on on everyone. Mm. Or it's like, I mean, yeah, I like to know what people do. That's true. I like to know what people care about. Mm. Yeah. But sometimes it freaks people out if that's the way you frame the question. Mm. <laughs> What do I have to say? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, it is a loaded question. Really. Yeah. And what about when people say, that's cool? And what does ask that you for mean? More? Yeah, yeah like, oh, I know. Well, that happens you know what every that means? time. And then you kind of say, I make performance, and they go, oh, um, what is this? Do you know the answer to all the questions for yourself, though? Uh, you just, I just try to um, give an explanation of kind of what it actually means yeah. practically. Yes. <laughs> because it's, yeah, it's a bit hard to explain 
yeah. on, a, on a, any different kind of level than practical what it actually means. Yeah. Mm. I often um, tell people that I'm a contractor. Yeah. <laughs> because that is the practical reality. That's very actual, yes. Yeah. And you get contracted to build this bathroom and I get contracted to build this dance piece. And at mm. the end, we sign off and we get paid. You get paid more. That's um, <laughs> significantly more. <laughs> <laughs> but then what they make last longer as well, so I understand. Mm. <laughs> well, it depends. If you were a painter or a sculptor. Mm. Yeah, but I think they even get paid less than us, so that's... Mm. Have you had any realizations, like epiphanies? Probably. Things. That... <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting because for a long time, I mean, you're just kind of sorting things out as you go, really in your life and I think it's um, actually kind of at a, at a certain moment you realise that everybody just does that and it's not just you who's just kind of going oh I'm just doing this the way I think it's supposed to be done mm. um, yeah that's that. That's good to realise like everybody's just winging it really most of the time yeah. And you do get better at things and more experience, but then you just challenge yourself a bit more. Or get bored. Those, those yeah. are the options. <laughs> yeah, that's right. When was the last time you felt really inspired? Or what makes you feel inspired or excited? For me, it was a video clip. A video clip. I saw the other day by a, a rapper called Lil Dicky. <laughs> and he goes up, he, the, the beginning of the film clip is him going up to mansions somewhere in the States and pressing the buzzers or knocking on the doors and telling them he'd like to shoot a, video, a, a rap video, but he doesn't have any money. And can he use their backyard and their pool and their their mansion for about fifteen minutes to get the shots and then they'll leave? And eventually one woman says yes. And they go in and shoot it. And then the video, the music video begins, and then you see him on yachts and in Lamborghinis and Porsches and in nightclubs and at a ice cream truck. And then at the end there's a little making of where you see him approach everyone. Everyone and ask the ask him. I'd like to make a rap video. You know what a rap video is supposed to be, but I don't have money for that. Can we just borrow mm, mm, this thing? Mm. And eventually someone says yes, and mm. then they're sailing out on a yacht. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so that really inspired me. <laughs> great idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing, isn't it? If you don't, if you, if you don't ask, you won't get it. Mm. Or if you do ask, you won't get it, and then you ask again, and you won't get it. And then yeah, you yeah. pass your own threshold of being annoying mm. to people. Yeah. <laughs> then eventually they give in. I'm still trying to think about when I was inspired. Oh my god, that's terrible. Fucking hell. <laughs> no, but this, but when we were in our creative development, that was actually really inspiring. It's just, you know, things just 
you know, you, and what was great was that I actually haven't been in a rehearsal room with performers for a long time because our work has just been with people and not with performers. Mm. And um, that was actually really great to have to work with people who just there and are confident and just are skilled and are trained and yeah. are invested and are yeah yeah and want to be there yeah and on some <laughs> level, I don't have to convince them that's a good idea <laughs> every day <laughs> it's just yourself um, you have to convince yeah 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 so that was yeah it was great and we had a, a great little rehearsal space where um you know it was tiny, but there was a lighting rig and there was, you know, black walls and you could just kind of, you could, you could actually kind of work with visual stuff mm. in there. Where a lot of rehearsal spaces, I mean, it's nice when there's daylight. Yeah, but, but you're imagining. Yeah, when you're imagining, when yeah. because we're actually just making a show that's going to be in a theatre, which is yeah. quite challenging as well. Like I'm just kind of going, I'm going to... How are we going to make this interesting and meaningful? You know? <laughs> I'm a bit challenged by that at the moment with this with this work, but we'll get there. I mean, I know it's there, and I know where it is. It's just about how to translate it, so it, you know, it does it. It does what it needs to do. What does it need to do? Well, it needs to make you question. youth I think it's it's but it's also about giving a voice to to these young people and and where they're at I mean it's it's so kind of like interesting when because you you watch them and you just kind of like at the first couple of days uh, because we were kind of working about this idea of partying and it just felt like I was mum at the sidelines watching the kids party, you know, <laughs> which was really funny. Um, but it, it is kind of like we've all been there, but then somehow you kind of you, you judge it or and it's, there's no space for it and there's no voice for it. And then, you know, so it's kind of it's about that. It's about going, hey, this is what these young'uns are doing let's watch it and accept it and kind of yeah but also there's also I feel like a lot going on like just just from kind of government way like with the lockout laws and the, like it's just really about you know and, and the whole new start stuff and you just go how can you like get become like have the time and the kind of space to do to be that person you know at that age I guess a lot of people don't mm. you get pushed into a box very quickly but it's also a feel like there's a little bit of a I mean it's changing again but there, there's also this kind of thing of like this is what you're supposed to do you're supposed to be an adult now and have a job and and get married and have kids and 
Like it seems like it, that somehow it kind of goes backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they it's, open you up for years with Disney movies. There's you can be anything in the world uh, until now. Mm. Um, is that what you meant when you were saying before about I wasn't being, thinking about Disney, but yeah. <laughs> when you were saying before about being institutionalized, mm-hmm. that's a f- form of institution. I wonder if that's what you were talking about, following that, like, get a job and get married and have some kids. Mm-hmm. And if, yeah, if you were talking about yourself doing that. Mm. Well, I never got married. I did have kids. I never really had a job until this year, but it's the one I created myself. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel like a job. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't think I don't think I went there. But I feel I had the chance to not go there. As well. Yeah. What is that? Or I guess oh, just being supported. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and knowing that there's an option to do that. And I kind of feel like there's not a lot of options for young people at the moment. Yeah. You know, it's just like to just survive in a city like Sydney. There's not really um, a lot of, op- you know, like, you just got to really get a job. Unless you get your, you stay with your dad, mum and dad forever. If you, you know, like, and it's that, and then there's, then there's the, the people where that is just not an option for. And, yeah. There's, there's no, like, getting by on the dole is really not an option. It's mm. just not possible. Mm. So I think that's probably the point. Yeah. But also, and, and it's like, yeah, yeah, but it's the point. The it? agenda, yeah. Yeah. It's totally the agenda. There you go. Were you doing that? what these kids are doing? I guess part of the point of the project is to have the conversation with them about how many other options there are and then when the audience comes and sees what you make Mm. hope that they take that on and have conversations with everybody else about how many options there are. But it's interesting because they're just um, on their way. Mm. You know, like it's when, and it's not really um, it's not coming it's not going to come from them that um, point that's interesting yeah so does it have to come from because you? they're just kind of yeah I mean it's <clears throat> as the co-artistic director <laughs> Yeah, well, it's about the shape, I think. It's about the, mm. how it, how we frame everything. Oh. When you're talking about education that and options, mm. I think that sums it up, how we frame everything. Yeah. How, where does your framing come from? 
my framing. Where yeah. does it come from? <laughs> yeah. From the left? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's the right. <laughs> the other left. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. It's, um, I mean, it, what, what's great is that it, you kind of, I think what I really like about what I do is that I keep learning. Mm. And, um, and you never do the same thing twice. And we do always try to challenge ourselves um, with the work we make to not do something that we did before. Um, so, yeah. That's just... Yeah. Fair enough. What I like about what I do. I mean, one of the things... It's, it's pretty good being able to do what you like doing. But how do you do it? That's the question. Mm, yeah, but you just figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. A bit by bit. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got time to have the options. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no one was born knowing how to do anything. Mm. I mean... No, that didn't. That wasn't right. Was Everyone's born not, not knowing how to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that still, there's too many double negatives in <laughs> to know if it came out right. See, I've got um, 150 likes on that photo. Oh, shit. 25 love hearts. Wow. Maybe I should include a copy in the podcast notes. Mm. It's so popular. But there's some woes as well. No one's woed for a while. Where's the woes? <laughs> that's what we're all searching for. I think we've hit it on the head. <laughs> that's the that's like my main um, concern at the moment in life. In life. What are you busy with? I'm just I'm just hunting the woes. <laughs> Let's see how many woes I got on that picture. <laughs> if you're working with challenging yourself to be in situations speaking with groups and working with communities that you haven't before mm. in an effort to bring light to the options of like the options that are not immediately presented but also the options of life yeah, yeah. the options of life <laughs> <laughs> but then also to make a big hoo-ha about whatever it is that you think more people could be looking at. Mm -hmm. And if you make a show around it, maybe more people will look at it. Yeah. I wonder what is your, like, that's a lot of effort. I wonder what's your biggest hopes around all of that. Yeah. It's, um, see, at the moment, it's all a bit dire out there, I find. That's, that's what I'm struggling with, actually, at the moment. General pessimism. Yeah, just the way things are going, mm. you know, from kind of the government, but also then, you know, it's just like it's bloody government just got elected back in. you just got to ask yourself, like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah, I think the concept and I then, read about last week is tyranny of the majority. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's the downfall of <laughs> democracy. 
Um, yeah. And now I'm just kind of lost my thread completely Sorry. Um, what was this what were we talking about your biggest hope oh yes so yeah it's that kind of yeah look I'm, I'm under no illusion that uh, what I do is changing the world um, but the guy at the corner store is yeah see he thinks you're changing the world there you go Maybe I am. <laughs> maybe you can't I just, see it from the inside. Maybe I need to just believe the vision. Um. <laughs> yeah. Queen Street. Mm. The vision. That was a nice segue right back to where we started. Nothing more satisfying. <laughs> Except when you start the day with cereal and then you end the day with cereal. Oh, that's yeah. less satisfying. <laughs> no, that's not a good, that's not a good thing. No. I don't do that. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like um, starting with a blackout and ending with a blackout. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, but you're not changing the world, but you mm. are working towards changing the world. Or not? That's me putting words into your mouth. No, I'm not. What's your hope? I'm, I'm, I'm. I hope that um, to affect people, uh, so they might just think about some things more than they would have if they hadn't come to see one mm. of our shows. Um, yeah. And and actually through and uh, but also but very much actually through affecting them in a, in a, on a visceral in a visceral way, not not so much I mean intellectually as well, but very much about kind of feeling something, um, kind of deep inside you that is unsettling, mm. and then needing to kind of ask yourself why that was unsettling, mm. um, yeah. I think that that's um, that's kind of what I hope that, that and that people then actually do question why that wasn't settling instead of going that wasn't settling I hated that but that happens too it does happen but hopefully what you are unsettling mm. things that have been unsettled mm. are preconceived notions and inherited ideals and self-identities and that's really unsettling mm. to know yourself and then have those things dredged yeah um, yeah it is and so there's some i often wonder about how to do that with with care because i, I don't want to deconstruct the person <clears throat> But at the same time, I'd like them to reconsider how it is that they know the things that they know because quite possibly they've just heard it said and then they've said it and that's mm. become truth. Mm. And I wonder if it's about being gentle or if it's about being outrageous or if it's about using community or if it's about using performance that are trained and will go on to do other jobs and inhabit other 
Yeah, I think I think it's about um, identifying what um, the conventions are or what the um, accepted general kind of consensus is mm-hmm. and then um, fucking it up. Mm. Without attacking the people who... Oh, yeah, yeah. Them. Yeah, no, it's not about attacking people. It's about questioning frameworks. Accepted, you know, truths that maybe are not that true. <laughs> ain't nothing, ain't nothing is the truth. Mm. I ordered a t shirt last night. <laughs> <laughs> it's related, you know, you laugh at me. It's, tr- it's related. Yes. Did, did, I, are you trying to get slogans for t shirts out of this interview? Yeah, I've already got three real good ones. Okay, great. Um, but I didn't write them down because I didn't mm. want to distract you. Mm. Apparently, writing down something in front of somebody is the. Um, a way to make them very careful and attentive. If you ever want more attention from your doctor, oh, yeah. you take a notebook and you write down <laughs> what your doctor says, and then they'll be more attentive to what they're telling you. Yeah. Um, no, the T-shirt I ordered on one sleeve says the truth, mm-hmm. and on the front, the chest, it says is, and on the other sleeve, it says a lie. Mm. And which is where I got to with the blokes project that mm. there is a truth about how to be Australian, and, mm. it's true. and because it's such a patriarchal society, mm. the truth about how to be Australian bloke, and that the truth is a lie. Mm. Anytime a truth becomes the truth, mm. it automatically becomes a lie. So I'm totally on board with fucking up the conventions, mm. um, but I but I don't yet feel skilled enough to do it while never attacking the people who just have not had the f- the fortune that I've had to be educated or exposed to the things that I've been exposed to so that I can spend the time on considering these things. Like, I don't want to say... I don't want to separate myself and from the people that I'm talking to. Yeah, no. But you also don't need to patronise them. Mm. In this day and age, mm. everybody can have the exposure they need, pretty much. Okay. Especially if you're like a white Australian man above 40, I think you don't need to, um, what's it called? Moddy coddle? Yeah, it's yeah. a really good word. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, because I I don't want to give myself credit for how I've ended up here and been lucky enough to have the time and the space to think that I have options. Why not? Uh, that's a good question. You made choices. You're here because you made choices, not because it just happened. Mm. I mean, things happened. Things do just happen, which is great. Yeah. 
you know, like that. It, but you also then act on on them. Yes. And that's when you make choices. See, I did just meet Lee in the UK so many bloody years ago. Yeah. But, you know, I did then also decide I'm going to go and visit this guy in Australia. Yeah. You know, so you kind of... And I I would not be sitting here if I didn't... (laughs) If I hadn't made that decision. That's true. There's, you know, and then there's lots of other things that happen. Where you kind of, you know, you gotta, yeah. There's opportunities in front of you, and you decide to go there or not, you know. And I think that's a little bit what you're talking about with these men, these mm. blokes as well, mm. where, you know. I guess I'm coming from the standpoint that if I had not thought that breakdancing was very cool Mm. and had not been lucky enough to get into Victorian College of the Arts to study dance and not ignorant enough to know that I would never be doing any breakdance there. Mm. I would just be doing contemporary that looks like ballet to my eyes. Um, Then I would have continued on this trajectory and become one of these men. So I... But then once you realised yeah. you were just doing dance that looked like ballet, yeah. you, you did stay. Yeah, I did stay. Um, you did learn to point your toes properly, didn't you? Well, it, it's, very, it's very helpful when jumping. <laughs> but now in the classes I teach, even last week at um, Sydney Dance Pre-Professional Year, that was the only time that I allowed and encouraged the pointing of feet because mm-hmm. I think feet are more useful when you're standing on them mm. and you can stand on them better when mm. they're not pointing. Yeah. Um, that yeah. is that is <laughs> much better. <laughs> and they're such articulate things that they, they're not a binary extended or flexed. Yeah. Like, and they, I do think they look a lot better when they're floppy. <laughs> now it's my turn to go to the toilet. All right. Maybe that's a T-shirt slogan right there.
Well, you give me a lot to think about, Maribel, because I've totally been operating from the people as product of their environment. <coughs> but yeah, you don't. You shouldn't cut them that much slack. Hmm. You know, but you don't have to be nasty. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you how do you walk the think... line between saying, "Hey, you're smart enough. You're smarter than this. This is not good enough," mm. and um, respecting that people have made their own choices to be ignorant or racist? Because I I've been operating that like racism has to come or something like that whatever it is has to come from a place of lack of exposure and ignorance rather than considered choice and I'm only bringing this up because you're dealing with this like inherently or not when you're working with communities of people well it doesn't have to be racist. It could be any... any no, but, but look okay. at... At these horrible politicians. Mm. That's considered a choice. They're very racist. Mm. It's not it's, because they don't know better. It's, mm. It is it's very much a choice. And... Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I think what you're trying to do is to not be judgmental, which I think is, is great. But? Well, yeah, no, I try not to be judgmental because I think, you know, like, you should just, you should respect everyone and everyone's choices, but they also have to do that to life. you. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's kind of hard because, you know, I think... When you're racist, you're just being really judgmental of other people's way of living. Mm. Yeah. Because it's it's not even that much about appearance. It's just about culture and about perceived ways of of living and and perceived values and. Yeah, and it is also ignorance, but it's also ignorance by choice, I think. Mm. Because it's easier. I guess it does give you a sense of security to know and to not ever try and undo what you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. Where do your ideas come from? How do you have this idea to to do something with some people? Or, or how do you choose? You probably have a million ideas. How do you choose an idea? Yeah, I think... You know, it's um, choosing an ID is um, quite good because there's two of us. Uh, yeah. We can, yeah, we can kind of distill 
which ones are the good ones and which ones are maybe the not so interesting ones. Um, I think very, it's just really a lot of the time ideas actually just come from the last show. Yeah. And what you don't get to or what was brought yeah, up? Yeah, or, or what, what, what's, what was problematic. Um, yeah. Actually, mostly what was problematic last time. Hmm. Or just being inspired, you know, by books and movies. And, yeah, it's yeah. nice to be inspired. Yeah. How did you... Um, I don't know. How did you learn how to do this? <laughs> Where do you learn to be an, to be an artist? Or like... Why Why did you get interested and then feel like you had... It must have just been in my blood, hey? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I kind of... Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's the case for everyone, but I do. I mean, I did grow up in, in amongst art. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not... Um, I mean, like, both my parents are visual artists. And I kind of grew up around art all the time. Mm. But that, but yeah, not performing or that was kind of just something that really came from me. I think. I think my mum always wanted to be a ballerina, but didn't really get there. And then I kind of started dancing, and then she just kept encouraging me to become a dancer. And I was like, no, no, no. So then I, I, I kind of I went to design school. I studied to be an industrial designer, like a, a product designer, actually. Yeah. Um, but I was always dancing, and then I ended up after finishing my studies. Well, in the last year, really, I kind of realised that I actually did want to want to be a dancer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I but I kind of knew I wanted to make my own work from from very like yeah because I then after I finished the design uh, course I went on straight away to do a postgraduate in um, in set and lighting design because I knew I wanted to make my own work mm. and it was just kind of yeah and I was at the same time I was dancing in a in a production but yeah as your money job. Yeah, and well, kind of. My money job was being a graphic designer, actually. Yeah. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. Well, I really, because I also have felt like I knew that I wanted to make my own work, but that I thought for me had come from watching both of my parents run small businesses and that that's just how you lived your life you decided what you were going to do with each day, you decided what was important and if it failed or succeeded that was a response to you but you were following your Mm. idea about that and so it actually just seemed quite normal to do that in whatever you were doing 
Um, but how, like, how did you know that you had something to say or that you had work to make? I just looked at the dance that was being made and I thought it was shit. Mm. And so I was just going to try and change it. But then I learned more and found some people that were making good work. And mm. so I got to go and dance with them. It was great. Mm. Yeah. I was exposed to a lot of really good work. Great. That, you know, that just really inspired me. Like, I got, like, for my birthday from, I think from when I was about 14, I got, like, an annual pass to to the single, which is, like, this, it's like, it's like carriage works in Antwerp, like, be like, you know, but even, it'd be so much more on, even, mm-hmm. you know, like, so i just go and see so much work, and, and they'd really book the kind of latest contemporary work from all over the world that was just kind of like it at the moment and and it was just I just yeah I just saw so many amazing things yeah and and that was you know that kind of feeling of walking out of a performance and just kind of feeling so energized and just wanting to jump on stage while you're watching it and you know um yeah so that, yeah, that, I think that's kind of what made me want to do that. Mm. Mm. How will you know when you're done? <laughs> that's a good question. I'm not, I'm not old enough yet. <laughs> when I'm on Broadway time. <laughs> Not made it. <laughs> uh, but but I'm done. I'll be done way. and I've made it, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> I don't know. I think you'll just kind of feel like not doing it anymore, mm. maybe, when you're done. Mm. But you'll stick with it for the prestige. <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially if I'm on Broadway, hey. <laughs> um... No, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I've always known my mother to, you know, paint and paint and paint and just kind of, and just kind of recently she's just kind of been like, oh, I haven't painted for months. I really feel like it. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's interesting, you know. Mm. Yeah. But she, I think she, she's kind of, you know, I think she, she's pretty much said, like, I think I'm done with it. You know, but then, you know, she'll just start again. You know. But it, I guess it's the drive to kind of get your work out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, becomes less important. Mm. Or maybe the world's fine and there's nothing that you need to draw attention to. <laughs> that would be so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Then we could just put on our tutus and point our feet. Yeah, and stump our toes into the floor. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, Maribel. <laughs> it was very nice. It was very full of wisdom. Oh, I know. <laughs> and insight. <laughs> and ideas.
always kind of don't feel very very articulate about my work or our work. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's a language thing. Yeah, I was wondering if I... You can answer in your own language. No, but that's worse these days. Like, yeah, I was going like to say... talking to my mum last week and I just kind of... Oh, my God. I just couldn't find my words. And I was just like, oh, I just can't speak Flemish anymore. <laughs> it's not always like that. I don't know. I must have been tired or something. <laughs> my brain was not accessing that part mm. of... Flemish vocabulary. That's right there. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, is there any, any <laughs> websites that I should oh, tell people about? I thought you were going to ask me another really open-ended question. <laughs> I can ask you a specific question. <laughs> no. But I just... This websites, yeah. Just, you know... I just link to Branch, Branch Nebula website. Yeah. And we've got a Facebook page and things like that. Yeah. If you want. I mean, we've not been very active on the Facebook page lately. I think that's all right. When Branch Nebula was formed, I guess you were not There was no Facebook. In the beginning, no, it didn't exist, no. I mean, email was really only just starting. Was it exciting? Email, mm. yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was all fax before that. Yeah, I remember the fax paper that was on rolls. Yeah, and you couldn't leave it on your dash because it was oh, yeah, just go brown. brown. Well, we didn't really have that problem in Belgium, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything like that in mm. Darwin, mm. even those like Maltesers melting your mouth, not in your hand, or yeah. those M and M's. Oh yeah, yeah. That that no, doesn't suffice. It that one. That <laughs> it's it's false advertising. You get, yeah, you get burns from the seatbelt if you like touch the steel bit when you get back in your car. It's been sitting in the sun. <sighs> yeah, rough. That's intense. But Darwin's not Gove. I'm sure Gove was much more rough. Mm. Darwin's at least. A, I've never been there. Well, it's it's not so. I've been to Darwin, but I haven't been to Gove. Yeah, I just kind of find have you seen um, Have you seen Goldstone? Oh, no. It's the new um, Ivanson movie. Yeah. And it's really quite amazing, but it's about this mining town and just kind of really, really remote. And, mm-hmm. and Lee was like, yeah, that's really what it was like. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so flawed. Yeah. I think I was sheltered quite heavily mm-hmm. in Darwin. Mm. By we, your parents? Or? Yeah, well, they both had businesses, so they needed our help. So there was yeah. no hanging out no. anywhere. And I think hanging out is when you get in trouble. Mm. Yeah. So it was like... I had quite a lot of... Oh, I, I did a lot of hanging out. You hung out? out? Yeah. But you're in Antwerp hanging yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Not as much. Because, you know, I was living with my mum, like mm. single mum, single child and she was working full time so I just have after school to myself myself Mm. for you know years (laughs) lots to explore in the city I loved exploring empty building sites oh yeah like yeah so exciting it's quite dangerous looking back because I was really young 
it's like eight or something, like <laughs> climbing, like climbing a ladder, climbing up, just really high into these like half built buildings. And, yeah, it's really great. Mm. Um, I did forget to ask you to say your name. My name. The recording. Because <laughs> I didn't introduce us at all. We just started talking. Mm. Um, so we could either, we could put it up anonymously, yeah, or you could say your name. Or we could make it a quiz and go, who do you think this is? <laughs> is it at least a multiple choice? Are there like clues? <laughs> or people just have to guess from the way that you laugh? <laughs> that shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> I went to see um, Absolutely Fabulous oh, on yeah. Friday. And I did the biggest snort laugh in the middle of it. And the whole cinema just laughed because I did a big snort laugh. <laughs> so much joy that you're bringing to people. <laughs> um, oh. Now I feel absolutely ridiculous to just say my name. I can say it first. Um, you can say it first. Oh, yeah, I you can just say, name. hey. I'm talking to, and then I don't have to say it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wombat Radio. Today, we're in Banksia, and we're speaking with... What's her name? (laughs) (laughs) The (laughs) ever-reluctant... The can't own up to her own identity. Um, me. See, I always find it the most horrible thing. Like, it's kind of like these introductions find it really hard. Like, in, with interviews or like in, in like groups, like the kind of like, oh, we'll go around the circle and everybody says who they are and what they do. It's just so. Yeah, it's of, a bit whack because it asks you to place a flag. Mm. in the sand and make a yeah. make an announcement. Yeah, so let's just keep it open. Okay. Let's just, let's just maybe, maybe I'll read the list of creatives on the back of this card <laughs> and then people can just choose who they think it could be. Yeah. Who could this be? <laughs> um, well, it's just, it starts with an M. It ends with an with a silent E and then we've got a W in a surname and when I misspelt it in I had a typo and I was texting and it autocorrected to Miracle oh there you go very nice Mirrorball is also a nice <laughs> one so if you were making a rap yeah. and your name was in a rap somebody could rhyme it with Mirrorball yeah yeah and miracle, yeah, yes. This half or this half a paragraph. Right? And I think it also means um, what is it? Wonder, wonderful, wonderfully beautiful, or something. I think it's made something like that. And then we're back to this photo again. The <laughs> <laughs> forever twenty. Forever twenty. I want to talk about this hat and that denim. Ah, yeah. Well, there's a whole story there. Really? <laughs> Is it really in those beads? Yeah, this was for a magazine. Okay. And um, I can't remember why I went, like why they 
like that. I think they just wanted to have some young people and then bring in like favorite things that they like to wear and then they had some accessories and then and I think they actually interviewed us about what we were wearing and why yeah so that denim jacket is very special because it's like a 70s jacket that my auntie used to wear that she gave to me what and year was this taken this was um would have been 92 okay so it was like a 20-year-old jacket I was wearing, yeah. and I was 20. Um, and, yeah, so, and then, yeah, that blouse, that was mine, and I was wearing a skirt as well that I really liked, but you can't really see that on the photo. But they're the hat and the beads that was their addition. The they just stuck it on stylists, you. yeah. Is that some kind of traditional hat? No. From somewhere? No, no, I think it was just a, a fashion thing. Mm. Yeah, and the woman who took the photo, she's kind of big now. Like, she's like... She's a, really fat. No. <laughs> she's like a VIP in Belgium, you know, like... Oh, okay. We call she's them famous. BVs, oh. which are Bekend Vlaminger which is like known Flemish people. Ooh. So they're kind of like on TV and they've got programs. Yeah. She's got like her own program on TV and all this. But she's a photographer. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, another little interesting fact. Yeah, and then a, a friend of mine from Belgium posted said, oh, I've got one of these photos as well. I remember that shoot. And oh. I thought, oh, that's right. She was part of it too. Oh. So, yeah, there was a few, like, young'uns that, you know, they asked to come in with their favourite clothes. Memory, huh? Yeah. You don't have that jacket anymore? No. It just really fell apart. But, God, I wore it. I just I wore that. Yeah, I just wore it until it fell apart. Was that warm enough in it? In summer, yeah. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Must be strange. What? Well, I found an email that someone wrote me <laughs> like 12 years ago. Yeah. It was quite upfront, like <laughs> telling me that I needed to take a long, hard look at myself and things like that. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, sounds like I was a bit of a douche back then. I mustn't have been a very nice person. Mm. Here's me believing that I am now. Mm. I could have improved on it. But it's like, um, you're not that person anymore. Mm. Yeah. I know, it's quite weird, hey? Mm. I guess that's very much a realisation I had when I looked at that. I kind of went, wow, I still, like, feel like myself. Jeez, <laughs> I was just really looked very different, didn't I? Um, you yeah. probably thought, thought differently, mm. saw the world differently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course you do. Because you, you're not, you don't look backwards at that age at all. Mm. You just look forwards, which is, which is great, you know. Which is great. What's great about that age? But you imagine you're quite. You're quite. Spend most of your time looking forwards now. Yeah. 
but there's also a lot of um, contemplating going on, mm. you know. Soul searching. Do you um, think that it is something that, is, that you find or that you generate? Possibly the biggest luxury. Yeah. <laughs> it is the one that people are quite are most often trying to ask us to trade in for other things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of one of the, the what, what's happening at the moment that, you know, through making people have to work and work and work to survive. You actually make them time poor, and and that, yeah, and it kind of so you just don't have time to think about what you're doing. You just have to keep going to mm. manage. And I think that's what um, I, I feel like. It's a very kind of purposeful. Like I feel the government does it on purpose. Mm make you not question what they do yeah well I know that parents make you do it on purpose I remember I remember feeling like I was being kept busy on purpose yeah right as a child definitely really? yeah. hmm. if you were seen <laughs> to be not busy then something was found for you to do oh wow that's interesting. I guess because of I, my mum, you know, was at work so much that I didn't really have that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do remember um, it was, you know, like I would hear her footsteps <laughs> at the front and it did, I would quickly turn the TV off and pretend to be making my homework. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, I, I do think um, I see it a lot with kids as well these days. Like they just kind of being carted from one activity to the next, and they don't really um, are expected to kind of come up with anything to do by themselves mm. apart. And, and and you see kids like they just kind of grab for a screen and then play games mm. when they don't know what to do. Which is very hard. Yep. And I've got one child who's actually really quite good at entertaining himself. Just, you know, which is really great. Great. Well and then, done. And then the other one just grabs a screen. It's very, I find it very hard because then, because then, because everything has to be fair when one grabs a screen, the other one needs to have a screen as well, whereas mm. he's like, actually fine mm. and I tr and then it comes this battle and I just, and I have to really really entertain the youngest one when he doesn't have a screen 
Mm. <laughs> but maybe fairness is not equality. They're different things. Oh, yeah, no, totally. But at the moment, in yes. their eyes... It's, yes. It's, it's, not <laughs> it's, it's not quite so nuanced, is it? No, but I might have to explain that concept to them. <laughs> Just because you don't have the same thing doesn't mean that you're not mm. equally taken care of. Mm. Oh, it's not about taking care. It's about the exact same amount on the computer. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting that... Um, Kids and screens these days. <laughs> well, kids and things all the time, forever, right? Yeah, I suppose so. Like bikes and I mean, you know, I just cars, bikes, marijuana, yeah, bells, girls, girls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always something. I'm sure there's always something. Yeah, but you kind of do um, worry about the latest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not what you had. What did you have? Well, you know, it was TV, wasn't it? For me, yeah. anyway. Like, that was... But then also just empty um, construction sites. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that weren't policed. Mm, yeah, no security guards. Yeah. In Antwerp back mm. then. Um, yeah. Alright. Well, maybe I should let you go. Mm. Especially since I just got a text saying what's happening tonight. Perfect timing. <laughs> what is happening tonight? I don't know. Just <laughs> Anything goes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what... This picture of you is asking you every time you look at it. She's mm. like, right, what's happening tonight? What's happening tonight? No, I don't think so. What do you think she's asking you? Nothing. She's, um... She's saying, hey, look. <laughs> look at yourself. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's kind of it's interesting, kind of going, finding that and going, looking at yourself. Going, whoa, that was me a long time ago. How mm. amazing. Mm. Do you think you'll ever live in Antwerp again? No, I don't think so. And it's cold? Or are you um, the cold? I don't mind the cold. Um, but I got used to having um, a lot of space around me here. It's very different. Like, I kind of really feel that when I go back. That there's just no... Um, like, every, that the houses are all, like, three stories high at least and right next to each other and the streets are quite narrow and it's um, so different from here when all the streets are really quite wide and there's trees in every street. I mean, you know, in the burbs, anyway. But, it, you know, the city centre is not that big. Yeah. Curious, and you know, and the houses are a lot lower. I mean, it's all changing, it's all changing, it's true. But, um, we are right in the middle of uh, one of the priority precincts here. Does that mean you get NBN? <laughs> uh, yeah, they've, they've been sending me letters about it, but it's not here yet. 
No, it means that they want to build high-rise here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a crane in Miranda's backyard at the moment. Oh, wow. Not in her backyard, like a few yards across. Where does she live? Dulwich Hill. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's happening. It's really it's happening, all happening there. Yeah. It's not happening yet here. Like, it, like there's no actual building happening yet. Mm. I mean, Wallach Creek um, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. is happening. It's been happening for a while. But that, they want to kind of just drag it all the way through along the Princess Highway, pretty much. Mm. It sounds like a shitty way to live. I know, but a lot of people in the world who do it. A lot of people in the world that don't have other choices. Yeah, it's... When the infrastructure... When there's infrastructure... Yeah. It's... It can be okay, but they're not really planning any infrastructure. So yeah. I think that's what's um, a major problem. Yeah. There's a... Across the road from where I grew up, there's about 100 acres of experimental, like CSIRO farms... And they would test different crops and cattle and feeds and stuff like that. And that's all been zoned recently for suburbs. And there's going to be a couple of thousand people yeah. moving across the road in a suburb that only has a hundred people living in it. Mm. Wow, that's a big change. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, have you seen what they're planning for Waterloo? Mm-mm. Oh, my God, it's just terrifying it's terrifying why do we live here <laughs> i do often wonder i feel mm-hmm. like of all the places in the world australia is a place where you can have space and mm. yet we live in the biggest city in australia mm. and i've never really worked out why well it does have a lot to offer this city mm. it does i guess people come through that's nice yeah You drive 20 minutes and you're on an amazing beach. You drive half an hour mm. and you're in an amazing bush. Mm. It's, it's, yeah, it's not a dense city by any means compared to Europe. Mm. There's, there's way more people living in, a, in, in Sydney than, than in cities in Europe, but, that's, but it's... It's extremely spread out. Mm. But it's not going to stay that way. No. Yeah. But there's a lot of potential to just go and live in the bush in Australia, which is not that much potential in Europe to do that. No. Even less in Britain. Mm. Um, When I was growing up, my parents had a property... Not so big, only about 20 acres, but it was about 10 minutes' drive from a waterfall in a national park. Mm. Yeah, it's just think, amazing. Yeah, that's what I think to myself. Like, it's still there, and yet I'm in the basement apartment cave in, um, mm. in Annandale. Mm. Annandale's nice, but it's still, it's just, yeah, you think about how different your life can be and the options that are open to you. Mm. And what is this incessant need for stimulation and discussion and challenge mm. of my brain mm. that means that I'm giving up that for this? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because that, all of that seems much nicer. There's never traffic and it's never cold. Mm. And 